Hey, it's Ginny from 1000 Hours Outside here to talk today about where 1000 Hours Outside came from. Our kids love to read uh, comic books and I think some of them have an origin issue. So that's what this is. 1000 Hours Outside, the origin issue. Where did it start and how can you join in to what we've got going on? So um, my journey really starts back when I became pregnant. Um, that was in 2007. And, you know, throughout pregnancy, I think like most moms, I was trying to learn as much as I could. And so I was reading books about pregnancy and babies and toddlers. And, you know, we had this grand scheme in place. We had our birth plan ready to go. And as it became closer to the due date, I started thinking about, well, what am I really going to do with this child all day? And um, I was planning on staying home with the baby and, you know, I had all this information about birth and, and how to pack my hospital bag, but really no information about what what are we going to do? And so um, I started reading a little bit more about that and and sort of listening to what other people had said, and and I came up with this grand plan um, that I was going to break the day up into segments. And, you know, during the first segment, I can't even remember what they all were, but like during the first segment, it was like we were going to nurse, and then I was going to read books, and then to the baby, and then he was going to nap. And while he napped, I was going to exercise. And then during the second segment, we were going to go for a walk. Or, well, first, no. No, first we were going to nurse, and then we were going to go for a walk, and then he would nap, and I would clean. And then during the third segment, oh, who knows? Maybe it was like nurse, and then tummy time, and then he would nap, and I would cook dinner, you know, from scratch. So I had this grandiose plan, was totally prepared for it, and you know, from the get-go, the whole thing fell apart. It was like, birth plan didn't work out, Um, you know, and then he just didn't want to do any of my plans. He didn't want to nap, and, you know, he basically just wanted to nurse. And so um, I think parenting from the very beginning has been this journey of sort of throwing my plans out the window and, um, you know, adjusting to what the baby needs and what the child needs. And so um, we had our first baby in 2008, and the next two came pretty quickly, one in 2009 and one in 2011. And so for uh, a few months, we had three kids under three. They were all in diapers for uh, close to a year, all three of them. And um, it was just kind of chaotic, you know? No one wanted to follow my schedule, and I was overwhelmed, and and not um, not sort of due to pregnancy hormones, but just really sort of down because uh, it was just too many needs, and I really felt like I was drowning, and, um, you know, I would wake up in the morning and, and be very... Uh, apprehensive and overwhelmed about the day ahead and how was I going to make it through. And so I was kind of disappointed about that because, you know, I, I liked being a mom and and I'd wanted to be a mom and I had these three beautiful kids, but, 
you know, the nitty gritty and the day to day was really wearing on me. And I think, you know, no matter how many kids you have, whether you have one child or you have 10 children, and no matter what the age span is, mothering is demanding. And I think we know that because our culture, everyone jokes around about when they can have their wine. And so this is a common sentiment that, you know, having kids is like being pecked to death by a duck, right? That's a saying I've heard. So uh, mothering is hard. There's no getting around it. And so I was doing mothering, you know, in this way that I, I sort of saw everybody else doing, which was signing my kids up for programs. And so we would sign up for, you know, swim class or, you know, a library program. And, and those things are great. There's nothing wrong with them. But, um, you know, with young kids and not sleeping through the night and trying to juggle all these children, those activities took a lot out of me. And so, you know, we would try and get everybody, I would try and get everybody ready to go to the library program. You know, that's, you know, three kids getting dressed and two of them were still nursing. Everyone's in diapers, making sure that the bags are packed and the snacks are packed and the nursing cover is packed and all those things. The stroller's packed. Do we have our books we need to return? You know, and, and along the way, there's just all these needs. It's not like you can just sit and accomplish your tasks. You have to do it while holding a crying child or, you know, soothing this one or, or helping that one find a shoe. And so, you know, we would finally have everything packed up, you know, and inevitably at the end, you know, someone's got needs a diaper change or someone, you know, soiled their clothes. So there's all those little things that come up. And, you know, then it would be loading three kids into a vehicle, which is, you know, all the seatbelts and and all the bags, and then unloading them at the library and making sure that, you know, no one gets hit in the parking lot and no one pinches their finger in the door and do we have any, everything. And then, you know, and during this library program, which is great, but maybe it doesn't fit all the ages of kids you have or whatnot. So we're trying to keep certain ones quiet and certain ones need to nurse. And then... You know, and then it's everything in reverse, right? Leaving, packing back up, you know, just to get home to unload it all. And so I felt like with these types of activities that lasted 30 minutes or 45 minutes, you know, a swim lesson or, or something like that, that I was completely toast by the time it was over. You know, 11 a.m. would roll around and I just couldn't even believe that there was so much of the day left. I was already just mentally and physically exhausted from the amount of work I'd already put in. And so... I was drowning as a mom and just kind of lost. And I had a friend who um, had some kids a year or two beyond me, and she was planning to homeschool, and she had been reading the works of this educator um, who was alive, you know, in, in the early 1900s, turn of, turn of the century, and um, her name is Charlotte Mason, and her works are still very popular today. And in fact, many of the things that she has suggested are have now become research backed. You know, she um, she had a good sense of what was good for kids back then, but now research is confirming the things that she has suggested. And one of her main suggestion suggestions is that children should be outside every day for four to six hours, and and that's that's you know mainly for good weather. She does have a caveat that when the weather is worse, you know, she has a 2 to 3 hour time frame. And actually we found that those those time frames are are kind of spot on with what we found, you know, in the middle of the winter 
Kids can maybe last two hours outside. They certainly can't last six. But my friend had been reading this these works by Charlotte Mason and you know, was going to go for this goal of spending four hours outside with her kids. And I just thought that idea was preposterous. I thought it was crazy. You know, I was so used to these children's activities that are 30 minutes or 45 minutes, you know, certainly nothing longer than an hour. And I thought, well, what are these kids going to do outside all day? And what about naps? What about food? What about chores? Sort of all the same questions that people now ask me. And um, so, you know, we're really, I was really skeptical, but, you know, she was a good friend of mine and we wanted to join up. And so we did that. And it was in the fall of 2011, she invited us to go to a park for four hours. Now, this was a park. It wasn't a playground. It wasn't a place with like a play structure. It was just this park. They had a big open field, a lot of trees. It had um, like a small creek creek running through it with ducks and rocks and and you know, stuff like that, some walking paths. And so she said, we're going to be there from nine to one, nine in the morning until one in the afternoon. You pack a picnic, a picnic lunch and, and meet us there. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chop's hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chop's price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com slash outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash outside120 code outside 120. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I.com slash outside for 15% off your first order.
So I was just thinking, oh, you know, what are my kids going to do? You know, they're not going to last for four hours. There's not many toys. So mistakenly, I packed a ball uh, for them to kick around, which which proved to be a, a poor choice um, because all the kids did was fight over it. But once we got there, we you know, we both spread out picnic blankets and she had a baby and I had a baby and, you know, the babies were nursing and, you know, playing around on the little blankets and, and napping, you know, when they got tired and the older kids, she had two and I had two, they ran around for four hours. I mean, it was just the most wild thing. They were chasing squirrels and they were jumping off of stumps and they were finding sticks and building things and using sticks to pretend and they were throwing rocks in the creek and I don't even really know what they did. I just remember being totally blown away. They were completely occupied. They were loving each other's company. And I got to sit on this picnic blanket next to my girlfriend while we nursed our babies and have an adult conversation. And the kids would come back and forth for snacks. And we had our picnic lunch. And it was beautiful weather out. And we packed up at 1 o'clock and went home. And with young kids, it was nap time. And... um. And it was, I say it was the best day of my entire life because I was drowning as a mother and, you know, and on some level hating it. And I wasn't enjoying it. I was really overwhelmed, really discouraged. And that day gave me hope that I could, I could do this journey, but I could also enjoy it as well. And so... Um, you know, after the success of that first day, we started to schedule in these chunks of time, you know, four hours, about three days a week, we would try and get together. And, you know, if you're out from nine to one and you come home for naps, there's still time for housework and there's still time for grocery shopping. And, and we would kind of make the rounds of the parks in our area and the, you know, we would do hikes and, um, and different things like that. And, you know, what I began to notice was that the kids were thriving. They were thriving relationally. They were thriving physically. You know, um, our kids who are now, we have five of them. They're now 10 and under. You know, they haven't really needed any doctor's appointments for anything substantial. You know, this outside time is really good for um, their physical health. And so I just started to notice these different things. And, you know, we're all thriving. We're all having a good time. And, you know, after a while, I came across some books like The Last Child in the Woods um, by Richard Louvre or Barefoot and Balance by Angela Hanscom. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of books that, you know, started to open my eyes to the fact that this outdoor play um, had merit to it you know, sort of beyond just the enjoyment of the time that we were spending. And I've read, you know, The Power of Play by David Elkind. There's quite a bit of um, good research out there backing outdoor play. And um, so that just sort of spurred me on even more. You know, here we are doing this thing that everybody is loving and even myself. And it's also really good for my kids you know, physically, and it's good for them academically, and it's good for them emotionally and socially. 
And, you know, it's free and for the most part and very easily accessible. Um, and so, you know, I started to have this idea about getting the message out because we would go on these hikes and, and we were spending, you know, 18 to 20 hours outside a week just just as that, you know, group of friends, but also more on the weekends and, um, you know, sometimes in the evening as family or different events. And we were spending all this time outside and we were not running into other children. And certainly there were children, you know, at the playgrounds here and there. Um, but, you know, there weren't any children in the woods. There weren't any children on the hikes. Uh, there weren't any children at the parks. We just weren't seeing them. And so we started to sort of add up this amount of time that we're spending outside, you know, four to six hours a day, a couple days a week, maybe a little bit more on the weekends. And it turned out, you know, we were spending about 18 to 20 hours outside a week. And that was more in the summer and less in the winter. But, you know, on average, that's about where we were. And and so over the course of a year's time, you know, we're talking about, you know, 1,000 to 1,200 hours of outside time. And interestingly enough, that is the same amount of time that kids spend um, on average in front of screens a year, the numbers are really high. In fact, you know, I see things, and they're, you know, a little bit varied from from um, research to research, but, you know, sometimes it says, you know, the average child spends four to seven minutes playing outside in free play a day, but four to seven hours, you know, consuming screen media. And, you know, sometimes they overlap, you know, if a child is watching a show, but also on their phone, you know, um, maybe a, a research company would include both, but, but the point is, is that there is this vast difference, you know, four to seven minutes versus four to seven hours. And if, you know, this outside free play is so beneficial for our kids in all areas of their development, if we are not giving them that time, then they are really missing out. And, you know, from from what I've read, the the deficiencies are really showing up. You know, by the time a kid hits school age, they don't have the core strength to sit at a desk and they don't have the finger dexterity to hold a pencil. And, you know, there's, you know, maybe they have issues with their eyesight. And there's all these all these issues that are coming up where kids are needing different types of therapy because they haven't had that expansive amount of time outside as a child to get them ready for you know, their academic school age years. And so um, we thought, well, hey, you know, let's explore what what would life be like if there were balance? You know, screens are not going away, and I certainly do not think screens are evil. We use them from time to time. Our kids like video games just like every other kid. They like to watch cartoons, and I like them occasionally to watch cartoons for the, you know, little bit of peace and quiet. But there certainly is the danger of, you know, letting that time sort of um, add up and add up and, you know, kids are missing other opportunities. I don't necessarily think that screens are evil, but they do represent a lot of opportunity lost um, in terms of real life interaction. And so um, the idea was that what if we just balanced it? What would a childhood year look like if 
if the nature time matched the screen time. And so that's sort of what gave Ray to 1,000 Hours Outside, starting with this idea that children should have immersive nature experiences. You know, we shouldn't just go to the park for 45 minutes. We should let them go for a couple hours. And even um, in some of the, you know, outdoor kindergartens and outdoor preschool or preschool programs, they say it takes a solid 45 minutes for kids to come up with a play scheme. And so when recess is only 20 minutes or, or we only take, you know, our children to the playground for 30 minutes, they don't even have the chance to, you know, fully engage themselves yet. And so if we allow them, you know, s- several times a week, these immersive nature experiences, then over time, we are going to balance out, you know, the screen time that they might be getting. And so this thought of what would childhood look like with this balance? And what we have found is that nature moments are um, something that gets deep down into the core of the child and will be with them you know, for the rest of their lifetime. I think about the nature experiences I have as a child. And, you know, there's that quote that says, children don't remember their best day of television. And it's so true. You know, we do remember things about our childhood. And, um, you know, over the course of a childhood, though, we don't remember that much. And the things that really stand out, and a lot of people say they stand out, are their experiences outside. You know, I remember... Um, going to my great uncle's farm in West Virginia and and there was always kittens there and we would fish at the pond and they had uh, one black dog and one white dog and they were named Salt and Pepper and, you know, we just played and they didn't have a television and they didn't have any kids. So, you know, I don't even remember there being that many toys or anything, but, um, you know, they had this dairy farm and, and so for years they had cows there. And... Um, you know, that, that has stuck with me and I would go on these father daughter canoe trips with my dad. And I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit. That's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drink ag1.com slash one zero zero zero. Check it out. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, 
never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. Um, you know, so these outdoor adventures um, have, have formed who I am. And, you know, our children will, will have something to say if they become adults and they don't have those, those experiences woven in through their formative years. There is this um, idea from John Taylor Gatto, who um, recently passed away. He was, um, you know, a 30-plus year public school teacher in New York and also teacher of the year um, a time or two. And he talks about, you know, how do we create geniuses, which certainly that's not, you know, the goal of parenting, but we do want our children to... um, be well-rounded and to, and to have certain advantages if we can give them to them. And so he says, well, how do we raise geniuses? Well, we, we front load experiences when they're young and nature experiences, even if you're going to the same location, like your backyard or, you know, a certain park that's close by nature experiences are always varied. And, um, you know, they, they change from, from day to day, the weather and and what kids choose to do. And so, you know, as we're looking at this pattern of childhood, largely moving indoors over the last few decades and kids not getting out to play, um, you know, we decided to come up with this challenge of balance and, you know, can you spend 1000 hours outside within a calendar year? And when you do that, what does childhood look like in your family? And, you know, um, how does that balance between nature and screens, you know, if you have a balance, how does that change what, what childhood looks like? And what we are finding and, and um, the feedback that we've gotten for other families who have taken the challenge um, is that... When you spend 1,000 hours outside in a, in a year, in a calendar year, childhood looks diverse, it looks varied, it looks rich, there's a depth to it. Children develop, they develop, you know, their social skills as they play with their friends, um, you know, it helps them emotionally as they, you know, are able to just rest and relax and play. It helps them academically in a ton of sense, um, in many senses, and that's a um, a podcast 
um, maybe even the first podcast that I did was talking about how nature time helps children academically and, and it helps them physically. It helps their bodies and it helps, um, it helps them with their mobility and balance and, and their physical health in general. So we've put the challenge out there and there are a lot of people who talk about the benefits of, of nature time for kids. There are, um, just some great resources out there. Uh, and our twist on it is is to have a goal. You know, if we can know, you know, we can know all day that we've got to get our kids outside and that four to seven minutes of, you know, free outdoor play a day is not enough. We can know that. And we can know that there are these host of benefits um, that come with getting our kids outside. But um, unless we have a goal and unless we have um, a sort of a vision for what we're going to do with all the information, it's real easy to stay inside. And so even for me, you know, I've read all these books and I've had all these experiences and I know deep down that, you know, my kids need to experience the real world and they need to, um, you know, they need to have a multitude of of sensory experiences as children, but there is just the pressure from daily life um, to stay inside. It's a lot of work to get out sometimes, especially when children are young and you have to have extra clothes packed or, you know, food and snacks and, you know, maybe I've got to get everybody's snow gear on. There's effort involved. And so for me, if I, you know, if I didn't have a goal, I wouldn't do it. And that is sort of the feedback that we get a lot of a lot of the time, which is, you know, I knew it was important, but until I made myself a goal, I was not intentional about getting my children outside. And that's really what it's about. You know, it's not necessarily about exactly 1,000 hours, though it is a really worthy goal. It's really an interesting thing to see what life is like when nature time matches screen time. But but maybe your goal is different. Maybe your goal is 500 hours. Maybe it's more than 1,000 hours. You know, the point is, though, to take this, this activity that, you know, I don't think you get, get much more, much more bang for your buck than taking kids outside. I really, you know, we're really into reading and read alouds. We really love um, Sarah McKenzie and the read aloud revival and what she's doing with reading and, and, you know, well, we like to take our reading outside sometimes, but, you know, certainly reading will take our kids really far, you know, so that, and, and this outdoor, outdoor free play. And I cannot really find any other activities that, you know, seem to offer as much as, as, as reading and playing outside, you know, and, you know, the benefit actually of both things is that they can be free or nearly free. You know, most parks are free or, you know, in Michigan, it's like $11 for a year for the whole family to get into the state parks or something like that. You know, you can use your library for books and there are a lot of places that you can go um, so your kids can spend time outside. And and so, you know, I always say it's worth your time to play outside. What better, what better use of their time of your time is there, um, because of all the benefits that it get that it gives. And so that's where a thousand hours outside came from. It it really um, was born in one day. You know, we we did one day where we spent four hours outside 
or I, you know, with a friend, I spent four hours outside with my kids. And you might be hearing my daughter in the background. She's nursing and sleeping. That's when I can record my podcast. Uh, that's where our life is like. We've got five kids, 10 to two. And so it's pretty busy over here and we're homeschooling. So I try and snag time wherever I can. But um, uh, so you may, you may have heard her breathing or making noises throughout this podcast. But, um, you know, so in one, just one four hour chunk of time, I was sold. And that was that was way before I had any inkling or any clue that um, outdoor free play for children is so beneficial for them. And so, you know, our challenge to our, both ourselves and to you is to have a goal for outside time. You know, maybe it's a weekly goal. We really like the yearly goal because, you know, things are, life is tricky and things are weather dependent and, and people get sick and... You know, but but when you take, you know, the 365 um, days, you know, usually over over those 12 months, you're able to spread this nature time out and fit it in. And I would say that probably the most eye-opening thing about it, and I think that I think that just for this one reason, every family should track their time for at least a week or at least a month, is it really opens your eyes to how much screen time kids are actually getting. You know, we say, oh, kids are watching screens for, you know, four hours a day on average or, you know, 28 hours a week on average. That's the average right now, I think, for toddlers and preschoolers, 28 hours a week. And it's just sort of this number. But when you, but when you spend 28 hours in a week outside, you realize how much time that actually is. You know, even in an hour outside, a child will have so many experiences and have so much joy interacting with nature and with the earth and maybe with friends that are there, you know, and and so then you you start you start to realize of sort of the waste, you know, the waste of life that screens are. Like I said, okay, you know, some here and there have a balance. But man, are these kids really losing out if, you know, they're spending four to seven hours, you know, consuming screen media in a day, but only four to seven minutes outside, you know, because like I said, even just an hour, even just 30 minutes of kids playing in the snow or they're stomping in rain puddles, man, it's just so much joy and exuberance and um, it's worth your time. It's worth their time. It is worth your time to play outside. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. 
And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.